Oh, I'm glad you showed up tonight. I'm glad I'm here tonight. Glory to Jesus. You know, I believe this. I believe every time we come together, every time, God intends to do something life-changing, something permanent, something that moves us ahead in the things that God has in our life, and I'm expecting that tonight. Praise God. Did you come with your expector on? Well, if you didn't, this is the right time to flip the switch and expect something good to happen to you. You know, religious people have had a hard time sometimes thinking that it was a, an, a common thing or a right thing to consider that something good is going to happen to you. Amen. Oral Roberts really started so many of his meetings and his television and radio broadcasts every single time. Some of you are familiar with Oral Roberts, maybe not everybody, but he was just a massive ministry that just changed the world in a lot of ways. But he would start his meeting or program or uh, radio broadcast with something good is going to happen to you. You know, he took a lot of uh, criticism over that. Now, I thought it was a great idea. In fact, I went ahead and embraced it. I just decided to believe that he's right. Something good is going to happen to me. And I want you to get a hold of that tonight. Say it out loud. Something good. It's going to happen to me. Glory to God. Do you believe that? Well, you're in the right place. Praise God. Go ahead and be seated. And I'm always glad to come back. I just have every time such an anticipation. And, uh, of course, as Pastor Jonathan said, I've been coming a long time before his time. I think we've gone. I think I bring that up and go through that every time I come now. But some things just should remain the same, and that's one of them, I guess. But here's what I know. I know this. I know that every time we come, every time, not just I come, every time we all come into the presence of God, God really does have a design and a plan and a purpose to do something that's going to be life-changing. And maybe you still think change is a good thing for you. Is that something still on the agenda? Man, it needs to be. I've been walking with Jesus since 1971, which has been a while for me anyway. And uh, here's what I find. I find that God continues to have things that he's dealing with me about that he wants me to change. You'd think in, what, 47 years that, he, he, that we would have done some stuff to change stuff. And, and, of course, you don't know what I was like 47 years ago, so there's been a pl- plenty of change. Uh, but God just keeps peeling it back, and there's just other stuff. And I'm expecting something tonight, and I I really had the Holy Spirit drop this in me to just announce to you right from the start that he wants every one of us to plan on jumping in the river of revelation knowledge tonight. The river of revelation, what does that mean? The river of revelation knowledge, the flow, the stream, the direction, just like a river of God But it's a river of not just God's presence only, which obviously, man, that's what we hunger for. But we want not just the momentary experience. We want the kind of insight, understanding, and that's really what revelation is designed to bring, revelation from the Holy Spirit, so that we're not just having a moment in the presence of God, but we're having an experience that moves us forward. Does that make sense to you? Revelation from God. It's not a revelation 
outside of God's word. It's revelation, though, of how God's designed the system revealed in his word. That's what we're growing up in, is growing up in God to know the way he's designed his kingdom. This is what Jesus came teaching, isn't it? The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is as if. The kingdom of God is like. Over and over, Jesus talked about that. We're going to look at a little bit of that tonight. Glory to God. So we're going to jump in the river. Here's what I find. I find that the rivers seem to always meander. In fact, I was talking to a, a, a government engineer uh, a few months ago about rivers. Weird conversation. And he said, you know, what they found out in testing is that one of the reasons you can try to straighten a river out and eventually it will begin to go back to that meandering that back and forth flow. And he said, because there is less resistance in the flow of water as it goes through the curves. That didn't make sense to me in my head. I thought, that can't be right. He said, it is. It is. That's just the way it is. Sometimes you just got to take it. So just take it. I mean, just, just, just roll with it. If... We get the word meander from... A river in Turkey, actually. You don't care about this. It's really unimportant, anything I'm about to say. <laughs> but I just thought you should know that Meander River, I mean, it's, of course, Turkish, so they wouldn't say it exactly that way. But that's where we get the English word meander from the river, and you don't care. So uh, <laughs> what I'd like you to do, though, man, I'm in a really good mood, <laughs> which is uh, to your benefit, really, in the end. And, uh, but it, I, it, it benefits me, too. But we're going to jump into some powerful things. I'm so glad we're doing this tonight. I want you to say it right out loud. This is what Scripture says. This is the day. Say it out loud. That the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's say it together. This is the day. That the Lord has made. All right, when I said together, I thought I meant not what we just did, but what we are now going to do. Let me, let me, yeah, there was too much meandering going on there. You took that so literal. So together, together means simultaneous. Together. Let's say this together. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Glory to God. Man, we worked hard to get through that. It was supposed to be so much easier. This is the day. He's not talking about the day of the week. You know, he's talking about the day of the Lord, the time frame that we're in, the day of salvation, the day of our deliverance. Any day is that day. Every day is that day. This is that day. Glory to God. And that's what I'm expecting, that this would be a, a moment in time. You see, God's word's outside of the realm of time. It encompasses time, but it's not limited by time. And so when we are in our time frame, we can inject eternal things. Oh, I don't want to get way off into that. But we can inject the word into it 
And it's always for right now. Always. It's not for later, it's for right now. This is the day. This is, you could put another, you could, this is the moment. This is the time. This is the era. This is the time frame that the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it because it is our time to receive. It's your time for deliverance. It's always right to be able to say that. I don't even have to know what you're going through. It's always correct to know that this is the time for healing to come into your body, for disease to be destroyed and defeated and run out. This is the time for you to have that liberty in Christ, to be free in God and for your soul and your thinking and your habits to be transformed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, look, I don't want you to wait until I'm done teaching, because I never finish. Uh, don't wait to receive from the Holy Spirit. He's already come. And I found this, historically for me anyway, some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen happen in my own ministry have happened while I was speaking and teaching. Not only when I was praying for somebody at the end of a service, and I've really found that if we will just let that anointing that has come to reveal things to us wash through our soul and even into our body. And we can receive on every level. And I want that to happen for you in the next few minutes. Praise God. Will you receive that? Yes. Glory to God. I want to begin, and we're going to use a lot of Scripture tonight. So if you brought your Bible, keep it limber. If you brought your electronic Bible, as I did, keep it open. If you didn't bring a Bible, listen closely. Take notes and bring it tomorrow. You are coming tomorrow. Is that true? We're having... Yeah. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Glory to God. We're living in in a time frame right now when there are so many things vying for our attention, pulling us and swaying us almost as often as the change of the winds over different issues and different feelings, over the political climate. Oh, my gosh, everything is political, it seems, almost. I mean, in the States, it's gotten bizarre. We have moved into a a campaign mode for the next election just before the last election is finished. <laughs> it's just unreal. And of course, we all, we all understand that in politics, the politicians really only got three primary goals in mind when he goes into office or she goes into office. Three goals in mind. The first is to be reelected. The second, though, is to be reelected. The third is to be reelected. Other than that, everything's fair game, it seems. Now, that sounds cynical, I suppose. Maybe I've followed it closer than I should to come to those conclusions. But regardless of the politics of the day or the information that comes out on various things, economy, disease, medicines, whatever the issues are that are coming out, there's a variety of things that are always hitting at us from the outside to try to get inside and sway us from the kind of life we've been designed in Christ to live. 
And so I want, to, I want to provide some things and let's go down the track tonight over the, some things to counteract that, to undo that, for the liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit to wash through us and heal our souls. I'm expecting that kind of healing to happen in the next few minutes. And so I want to read this beginning in chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'll jump in in verse 6, where Paul said, However... We speak wisdom among those who are mature. Everybody say mature. mature. Grown up. Not everybody's grown up. We understand that. I mean, I resisted growing up as long as I could, and in some areas I've remained successfully immature <laughs> by design and by choice. Other things I'm just immature at because I hadn't grown up yet. But in these things of the Spirit of God, this is what Paul said. He said, we do, because he had been accused of just speaking things that were not all that, that deep. Can you imagine? <laughs> but he said, we do speak the wisdom, wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of the age, nor of the rulers of the age, and then I love this line, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery or with hidden secrets, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages. Why did he ordain this mysterious hidden wisdom that we're going to look at here briefly? For our glory. You got to get that concept. God's word and God's wisdom and God's plans are not just for his glory. He said here, they're actually for our glory. Now, don't get nervous. We're not taking any glory away from God by taking that. No, he doesn't share what goes to him with anybody. You're never going to get it. But there are aspects of what God has designed out of his power and his anointing and his bigness and greatness, good things that he wants to do in our lives that he describes here as for our glory. There's things he wants to do. You know, it's so simple to understand certain things about God. I mean, he's so deep, there's got to be stuff we don't have a clue about. But there's plenty of things that are so easy to understand. And one of them is this, that the Bible says that God so loved the world that he did what? He, he gave. That's our favorite scripture, everybody's favorite passage. John 3, 16. God so loved that he gave. God is all about the giving. He's not about the taking. He always comes to give. He doesn't come to take. And while we come and we encourage people, and we should, that when we're coming to God, we want to give him the glory Give him all the praise, and we do. We give it to him. But, you know, he receives it, but that's not the only reason he came. He didn't come to take it from you. He came to give to you. And there's this interaction, this exchange that God wants to make every time we come. And here's what so often people miss in their church-related experience. They miss the exchange that God wants to make. 
that he wants to come and show us his greatness. He wants to receive the love from us, but he mostly wants to impart the love to us. It's all about this exchange. And if all we do is come to sit, come to put in time, now you don't, you're the Friday night crowd. God bless you for being here on Friday night. But some people, they come to church just on Sundays or just whatever their service time is, and they don't really come for this exchange. They come to maybe just get a bit of information, just do put in their time in some cases. Others come uh, for a positive word experience. Others come to see their friends and uh, shake hands with a few people. And people come for different reasons, and all that's fine, or most of it, some of it. Well, it could be. <laughs> I don't know, the more I thought about it, I had to edit. But, uh, but the exchange has to take place for it to really be a successful time with God. God's all about the giving. And so he said here that all of this mystery of God's plan and will, it's all about him accomplishing something, and that is something for our glory. Not for us to be glorified by people the way we look at it in that way, but for us to experience the liberty and freedom and power the way God designed a person to live. That kind of heavy presence of God in our life. Anyway, that's not my message, but I just thought I'd throw that. <laughs> but verse 9 is where we're going to finally start. He said, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. I thought, Jonathan, I thought you were going to go down this and mess up the whole message for me. But. Nor has entered into the heart of man the things God has what? Has prepared. Everybody say prepared. Man, God has prepared things for you. And he's prepared things to be a whole lot better than what they probably are even yet. He's prepared things that will be for your goodness and your glory, for you to experience on the highest level. He's prepared things, but he said there's a problem. He outlined what the problem really is. The problem in people getting what God has prepared is summarized with these three concepts. It's not getting in a person's eyes. They don't see it. It's not getting in their ears, they don't hear it. It's not getting in their heart, they don't embrace it and make it their own. And he said, because they don't see it, they don't hear it, they don't embrace it, they don't get it. That's the problem. And it doesn't mean we're not in a place where we can see it and hear it. And receive it. It just means for whatever the reasons, and there's lots of reasons, though we are being given the things that we can see and should see, and God wants us to see, we still don't see it. And we don't hear it, and we don't embrace it. So we don't keep it, we don't get it, even though God prepared it. You see, some people have the idea that everything God or everything that comes into our life comes because God wants this to happen, and anything that's not coming into our life is because God is withholding it over some issue. 
That's really not the case. God's not withholding from us, and yet we still go through the not getting what God has prepared. The problem is not in God withholding. He describes it here. It's not getting in our eyes. We're not seeing it. We're not hearing it. We're not embracing it. That's the problem. You see, I proved in algebra. My algebra class in school, I proved that you can be in the right place and still get nothing. I just didn't get it. I just, and I pick on algebra, but there were other places. It was just as big a problem, but I'll just stick with algebra because I don't want to just confess everything. I don't know you that well. But I, couldn't, I just couldn't reconcile bringing the alphabet into mathematics. That just didn't work for me. I mean, what is X worth? Well, it, it, just, it, just belongs, it doesn't even belong here. What do we care what it's worth? What is X worth? And I'd try, it was wrong. I'd try again, another one, it was wrong. And then finally, I got it right. And then next time, that was wrong. It's like, what would you guys? I, I didn't get it. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. Even though I sat in the class, in other words, people in my class, they got A's in algebra. They heard what I heard. They saw what I saw, but they, they got it. I didn't get it. I didn't get an A. I didn't, I, I didn't get a B. And it's really none of your business what I got. I don't even know if they still use A's and B's. Do they use A's and B's anymore? Is that still a part of the educational system of... Okay, some say yes, some say no. So some see, and some don't. We have it right here. It's happening. I hasn't seen it. You can see things and still not see it. You can hear things and not really hear it. You can have things available to change your inner, inner compass and it not be changed. But if that's the outline of the problem, that is also the outline of the solution to the problem. Because once we discover how to see things from God's perspective and God's Word, once we I'll use this idea. Once we are in that river of revelation knowledge and it really strikes us inside the system that God has designed and how to really walk in that, you start to see it everywhere. You start to really hear it. And what we have right now is Christians that in so many cases, and this isn't new, this has been going on as as long as I've been walking with the Lord, but we have Christians that are hearing lots of right and good ideas, messages, sermons, reading good books, or whatever it is, even my books, which by the way, we <laughs> have available. That is shameless, but... Uh, But they're, they're reading, they're hearing, 
but they're not really seeing how this really works from their inner man. And this is what has to shift. I remember in my own early Christian life, Oh, I was so hungry for God. And a lot of you know my testimony, but, you know, I, I came out of that whole drug scene and long hair, dope fiend, uh, semi-hippie. I say semi. I was slightly too young to have an actual philosophy of, <laughs> that was required for true hippie-ism. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so for me, it was just the music and... and traveling the universe. It was really just those things for me. But I came out of that, gave my life to Jesus during that Jesus movement. For me, it was in 1971 and started looking for a church and found a place. And I was so hungry for God. I just wanted to learn. I wanted to discover and I wanted to find what God was saying. And I remember I got a particular book that had been recommended to me. And, uh, Oh, man, I read the, I, it was a thick book. And I was not a great reader, as you might imagine, from what I've already shared of my life. I, reading uh, was not also a priority for me. And I wished it had been. I'm not, a, I'm not proud of any of this. It's just the way it was. Unless I didn't read, I only had read one book all through my entire uh, school career. And that was The Old Man in the Sea. Uh, by Ernest Hemingway. It was just the thinnest book they would allow me to do a book report on, so I picked that. <laughs> Unless, of course, you count Mad Magazine as being <laughs> of any literary value. And then I was quite the reader, which, of course, possibly has warped me to this day. Anyway enough of that. But I started to read this book, and it was, it was really Christian books in the Bible that really helped introduce me to the real value of reading. And, uh, but I read through this book, and it was so rich, so rich and so full that I didn't have a clue what he was really talking about for the first four chapters. I read four chapters. I was completely lost. What is this really all about? I thought, well, there's no re reason for me to read chapter 5 until I go back and start this where I get it. So I read from chapter 1 again, and I got to the end of chapter 4, and I was just as lost as I had been the last time, and I thought, this is, this is crazy. Is it this writer? Don't we love to blame? <laughs> Blame's important, as long as it's not on me. But it wasn't the writer. I knew it was me, so I started the book over again. And it wasn't until my fourth time through the first four chapters that something then, whew, it shifted for me. Oh. 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 Wow. That was, this is, oh my Oh, Jesus, this is amazing. Oh, something happened, man. I saw into the reality of what it meant to be born of the Spirit of God, made the righteousness of God in Christ, 
and to have a place in God. Now that I'm a Christian, I'm not just a churchgoer, man. I am a child, a son of the living God. Oh, man, this went off in me. I became an instant maniac. And I irritated people from then until now. Over how big all of this is. So I try to be, I try to be calm, hold it together. But this is big. It just went off in me. It was like the lights came on. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You can read through a passage of scripture that you've read many times before. But then all of a sudden, this time, what did that just say? Wait a minute. What did he? And it just, the lights are on. That's revelation knowledge. That's eyes that are seeing, ears that are hearing. The solution to discovering what God has prepared is to get out of our head and to see things with our inner life, our inner man to see things and allow the Holy Spirit to help us to get it. And that's really the heartbeat of what I want to talk to you about the rest of the night tonight. Because God wants to make a shift. God's raising up people all over this planet right now. The most powerful people that ever walked this earth are in the earth right now. It's right here, right now, and we are dealing with the greatest times of crisis that the planet has ever experienced since the day Jesus paid the price for sin. Obviously, that was the greatest conflict, the clashing of kingdoms, but we are now living in this clashing of the kingdoms, and there's only two, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. That's it. Everything is part of one of these two kingdoms, and you and me are having to touch both all the time. And we have an assignment as believers to have an influence where the kingdom of God is usurping its place and authority over darkness. And how that plays out around us is going to be dictated by how that plays out within us. And so we have to deal with these things individually if we're ever going to have an impact outside of our little sphere of, of life. Now, I don't say that to sound as if our little sphere of life is insignificant. It's not. It's totally my little sphere of life is the most significant thing in the universe other than Jesus as far as I'm concerned. Because it's about me. <laughs> Come on, you look so holy right now. Uh, but that would be true for you. No, not true that it's about me. It's about you. Come on, you look so holy. But it's, it's how God designed us. Self-preservation. There's an amazing thing. We all believe in heaven, and we believe it's going to be better than what we have now. How many of you believe that? Heaven is better than what we have now. But you know what? We fight tooth and toenail to not go. Not today. I'm going, but I don't want to go soon. I don't plan on going this week. 
What is that? We believe it's the best there is, but we want to stay out as long as possible. <laughs> what? It's because God designed us this way. He designed us with a purpose. He designed us to have influence. He designed us to live life in a way that glorifies God throughout our, our lifetime here. And he's designed it to, to where we will have long life and believe God for it. It's in the system, and it's the wiring that God gave us. So we get past, we don't even struggle over this, I don't want to go right now kind of thinking, even though we know that's going to be so much better, man. It's like once we step over, dear Lord, don't cry for me, Argentina. I am out. <laughs> Just cry for yourselves. Oh, I want people crying at my funeral. I do. I want, them, I want them crying. I mean, I don't have to cry heavy, you know. Of course, you probably won't come, but... Uh, <laughs> I really want my grandkids to cry, though. I want them to cry. They don't have to cry long. But I want them to cry at, at my funeral. But then on the way out, I want them to be sure and have the conversation. How much did you get? <laughs> Tears turn to joy. Anyway, that, that's not my message at all. Eye has not seen. Let's go back to the Bible. Eye has not seen, ear hadn't heard, hadn't entered into the heart. The things God has prepared. That's the problem. The things God has prepared, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us understand the things God has prepared. He's made things ready. It's not only talking about heaven, it's talking about the moment we step out of our natural sin-filled life and we are raised in newness of life in Jesus, man. God has prepared things for right now. But it's got to get in your eyes. It doesn't happen. Here's the deal, man. It doesn't happen just because God prepared it. It doesn't happen only because it's available. Things don't change in our life to a large degree until we see it and hear it and we embrace it. We get it on the inside. So the gateway to our inner life is described here that it's in what you see or how you see. Not only what you see, but it's how you are seeing what God has said. It's not just how we're seeing events or situations, and that's important. But it's how we're seeing the plan and the promise and the purpose of God. It's how are we seeing the things that God has prepared. Are we seeing that these are things that are prepared for me right now? How do I see this? Is this for now or is it later? Is it for me to receive or is it for me to wait for? How do you see what God has prepared? If His miracle power is available, then it's available now. God wants you well and healed in your body. Anybody that came to Jesus, He healed them. That's what the Bible says. I mean, there was a day when they came, and they came by the thousands. It was a huge crowd. And the Bible says that He healed them all. Now, don't you think that in a huge crowd, there are some 
Fine folks, salt of the earth people, a few scoundrels, a few outright liars and thieves and ungodly. I mean, it happens in church. You know it happens in a crowd. Outside on the hillside, man, they were there by the thousands, and there were some scoundrels out there even, and yet he healed them all. Glory to God. But he healed those that came to him. He didn't chase anybody down to heal them. You don't find that in Scripture. But when they came and they saw that they could be healed, he healed them all. So the gateway into our own life is the way we see, the way we hear, and what we choose to embrace. This is why it's important what you're listening to. It's important so that you are, you are seeing things from the perspective that God really wants. You know, we have the capacity to interpret things, and we interpret things all the time. We interpret what people say and we put a spin on what they say that serves some purpose in us. Maybe we take what somebody says and it says to us something way different from what they meant. Oh, but they said it. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I know what they meant when they said that. They didn't like my shoes <laughs> when they said that. The way they said what they said. They don't like my hair. They didn't like... Well, that was a... They don't like me. Did you hear, did you hear what they said? And all they said was, hello. <laughs> but it was the way they said it. No, oh, I can read through that. I've heard this. I've lived a long time, Dennis, and I know what they meant. We interpret things, and we put a spin on it, and it largely is out of our own pain and our own experience and our own trouble that we put the spin on what others have said, and we interpret what it means. And we can become offended over what it meant regardless of what it meant. It's how you hear. God wants to heal our hearing. God wants to heal our eyes to see things so that we're seeing from God's point of view. We're hearing from God's perspective and we're not putting a spin on these things so that we are negating anything and everything that God's really designed and wanted to do. I'm glad you're excited about all this. Jesus taught in real detail about, about this concept, and he did it this way, and I want to move over to Mark chapter 4. And I'll begin reading in verse 10. It says there, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. He had just taught him a parable on the sower who sowed seed into the ground. And in verse 11, he said to them, 
To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Ooh, there's an idea you need to take personal. It was to them, the disciples, and those that were with the disciples. Are you a disciple? Would you call yourself a disciple of the Lord? Or would you at least call yourself somebody who is with the disciples of the Lord? I mean, it was even those who were only with the disciples, so we're not sure they were disciples. But it was to the disciples that Jesus said, it is for you to know the mystery of how things work. Glory to God. That's what we dig into the word for. This is what flips my switch. To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, say it out loud, I'm not outside. I'm in. I'm all in. Say it, I'm an insider. Disciples are insiders. So it doesn't matter if you spent all of your years being an outsider. I mean, nobody ever loved me. They didn't even want us to be around me. I was always alone. Okay. But you're an insider now. Yes. Yeah, but even the insiders don't want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, well, then, uh, I can't help you. But uh, <laughs> Whoa. I mean, Jesus can help you. Just, anyway, all right. He said, for the outsiders, all things just come in parables. They just don't get it. Outsiders just don't see it. This is why, if you've ever watched a news broadcast where the cameras were brought into a service like we, we worship in, people raising their hands and people swaying and some of them vibrating and some doing whatever else it is they do. When you watch it, if you're there, it's like this was amazing. God was moving. You watch it on television, on a news broadcast brought in, it all looks like these people are crazy. Yeah, yeah. This is why folks don't want to go to church. It's weird. It's because to the outsiders, man, none of this makes a bit of sense. And we're not trying to be strange. We're not trying to put people off. But we're just worshiping God and we have found out some things about all of this and it just comes out this way. That doesn't mean you have to do it. Not everybody raises their hands. Not everybody sways. Not as many vibrate. But it's... <laughs> so don't judge. Just, just stand there like a stump and worship any way you want to. Gosh, I'm glad this is Friday night. You can't talk like this on Sunday, man. They just freak completely out. Well, you can, and I do, but it happens. All right. But to you, it's been given. Say, to me. me. All right, it's been given, man. It's been given to you, you Friday night Christian you. It's been given to you to know things about how the kingdom works so that we can live with our eyes open to see the systems God has designed. You understand, God has designed systems. He's been beyond reasonably organized. He is the most organized. He launched the entire universe into existence and it operates with precision. They can mathematically determine the position of the stars 
on any given night a thousand years ago by just entering into a program, a date and a location, and what did the night sky look like in that location? And it would be totally accurate because all of it is mathematically designed with precision, and they can determine it. This is why when God launched the universe into existence in the beginning, he had so precisely designed his plan that at the moment Jesus hung on the cross on, on that horrible hill and breathed his final breath, there was a solar eclipse where the moon passed between the sun and the earth and cast a shadow where the light of the sun would not shine, which had been set in motion when God said, let there be light. Sheesh. And we have trouble thinking that God has a plan for our life? Anyway, it's amazing. There are systems. All that was just to say there are systems. But there are spiritual systems. We're about to read one of them, if I'll ever get to it, here in Mark chapter 4. We're about to read the text for tonight. Verse 12, he said, Seeing that many see and do not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? And how then will you understand the parables, all the parables? What he's about to teach now in describing the parable that he had already given is really the master system to understand that unlocks all of the systems of how to walk with God. This is big. That's what he's just said. How would you understand all of the parables? You understand this, you understand things about the kingdom. So now watch this. This is familiar ground, but I want you to get it. In verse 14, he said, the sower, that was in the parable that he taught, the sower sows the word. The seed that that sower was sowing, Jesus said, was the word to understand. The word was being sown like a seed. And in verse 15, he said, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. Here's what we're going to notice as I finish reading this explanation of the parable. What we're going to notice is that the same seed was sown. The same word was sown. And in each of these four examples or cases, it was sown into the same kind of dirt. But there was a different response or a different result from the same word being sown based on the condition of that dirt. This is the system to understand 
how we receive what God has prepared for us. So here's what he said. He said, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And when they have no root in themselves, they endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. So now notice all of them got the same word. That's really important. They hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in. What happened? It choked the word. And it, what is it? The word. And the fruit that the word would produce in the soil, it becomes unfruitful. It had been fruitful. You can't become unfruitful unless you've already been fruitful. You follow that? Sure. Then he goes on and says, these are the ones sown on, on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 Four kinds of soil, one word, one kind of dirt really, four different conditions of this dirt, and four very different outcomes to what had been prepared for them to all receive. They all were being given the same word of what God had prepared for them, of what God wanted for them. That's really where this goes. That first soil, he described it as the wayside or the pathway. The seed was sown onto the path and it just sat on top of the path and the birds came in the parable. Birds came and took it and Jesus said, Satan came immediately to steal the word that was sown. What is it that causes a pathway from the dirt? It gets, it gets traveled on. It gets walked on. You walk on it one time, it's not really a path. There's just, there's just evidence it's been walked on, but it's not really a path. But it gets walked on several times, and a little, a little path is now forming. And it gets walked on a lot of times, and man, this thing's hard as concrete. And it starts to widen out. The picture is of the soil, good soil, good people that have become hard. And they've become hard because of their experiences. They've allowed the experiences of life to change their capacity to hear and really receive. They've allowed the disappointments. They've allowed what has happened in their past or in their present. They've allowed these events and these things, the way people handled them, what they said. What did they, what, do you know what they said? Or do, 
you know, they didn't say a word. People are getting hardened because on Facebook they don't get liked. <laughs> nobody, nobody liked what I posted. I didn't get one single like. Oh, oh, oh. I know that sounds like I'm mocking you because I suppose, you know, I am. <laughs> Hard ground. And while I'm making light of it in some ways, it doesn't deserve that really. People have been hurt, man. People have been abused. People have been pounded. People have been hit. And they've been, in some cases, hit over and over. And these are people that, for our purpose here tonight, these are good folks. These are believers. These are good soil people. These are people that are not ignoring the word. They're hearing the word. The, they're in a place where the word is being scattered. Not everybody's in that kind of place, but people come into church or come around Christians or get into environments where they hear the word, but it just sits. It really doesn't penetrate. It doesn't get into a place in their life where it can grow. It ends up being stolen from them. And why because the condition of their soul. Let me talk to you just briefly. I'm going to use the word soul because while he says heart, you understand even at this stage when Jesus is teaching, he's not teaching born-again people. These were, these were not people born of the Holy Spirit because Jesus had not yet paid the price for sin. And so these were not spirit, soul, and body people. They were spiritually dead people, actually, at this stage. And so when he's really talking about the heart, he's not indicating necessarily, even though this is a little technical, but I think it's important. He's really talking about the soul of a person, the intellect, the will, and the emotions of our life. It's still our inner life. And for the born-again person, what we really find is that the heart now refers to that intersection between the spirit and the soul. Not everything that refers that, that is called heart refers to the spirit of a person. But not everything that is referred to as a heart only deals with the emotions or intellect or will of a person. You come to realize that the heart is where the spirit and soul are joined together. And that, my friend, is the connecting point between heaven and earth. That point of the heart of the spirit of man is the connector, the portal, the place that the spirit of God wants to move into and show his great power. He wants to do it through every one of us that will have our heart healed, restored, your spirit doesn't need that. When you're born again, you're born complete in Christ. You don't need to grow in that way in your spirit. We say that, and that's fine. I mean, I'm for it, anything. But, you know, just for the moment, you're the Friday night crowd, so we get a little down and dirty, a little technical here tonight. Because it's important for us to realize that when God is talking about us growing, how do we really grow? We grow because in our soul, our will begins to embrace His will. 
Our emotions are brought under the authority of His design. And when the, the emotions try to squirt out over here and cause some kind of radical, out of control, no, 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 you come back. And hopefully not too many people were violated in the process. Oh, come on. <laughs> so we're growing in God. How many of you are doing better now than you were last time I was here? Anybody? <laughs> okay, me too. <laughs> Praise God. That wasn't near enough, though. It would needed to be bigger. All right. So now, are, are you with me in this? Are we, everybody doing okay? That wasn't near enough either. But <clears throat> The hard ground, the shallow ground, that was the one where there was a thin layer of soil. And so the seed got in that little thin layer, but it was real rocky underneath. And so there was no, no place for the roots. So things really didn't get broken up or changed. There was just the, the thin layer of Jesus in their life. Just a thin layer, but not a lot of change happening. Not a lot of things really being, being developed and growing in the way they're thinking and handling things. They're still getting ticked off and bent out of shape about nearly everything. And they're just still screaming at folks on the road. And, uh, okay, I, I live in another place. and I grew up in L.A., so that was a, that was a daily deal. But... Um, so the seed goes in and sprouts up. A lot of joy. Oh, man, I love Jesus. Jesus is great. Now, I hate your guts, but I love Jesus. You do that to me again, I'm going to cut you bad, but I love Jesus. So there's not a lot of growing taking place, and when the heat is on, uh, you wilt. It just turns to nothing. We've got a lot of people in this condition. But what I want to deal with tonight, if you'll give me a few more minutes. How many of you give me five more minutes? All right, that wasn't near, near enough either, but... <laughs> It's Friday, I can tell. It's Friday. It's been a long Friday, man. I'm glad you're here, though. I want to deal with this, this third, third type of soil that he deals with here. The one where the seed went in and it apparently bore fruit. But there were weeds. There were other things that began to grow in the same soil. This is what I have come to call the overcrowded it's not the shallow, it's not the hardened, but it is the overcrowded. Other things begin to grow. The Amplified Bible gives us a little list that I want to interject here. When he described it here, verse 18 and 19 in the Amplified Bible, it says, And the ones sown among thorns are the others who hear the word, then the cares and anxieties of the world, the distractions of the age the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches, the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke the word and suffocate it and it becomes fruitless. That's a lot of nasty stuff. But this is a lot of where we find ourselves in the fray of battle over these kinds of issues. The cares of this world. My goodness. The anxieties, the worries over what has happened. 
over what it means, over what it will mean in the days ahead. There is just a propensity for anxiety. The level of anger and hostility and and the fruit of this kind of thing happening has been escalating even among people in the body of Christ. Not to mention those outside of the body of Christ. But man, these things have been escalating because we have so many more things today in the way of things to worry about than we've ever had before in our life. We have more things from our past that we've been dragging with us now longer because you're older, no matter how young you are. And it's created anxiety because people don't know how to manage it, much less have real victory over it. They don't know how to manage these events and these hardships and these problems that they've gone through. And they don't know what it means. And they certainly don't know how, even though they try hard to manage those close to them about their hardships, the cares of this world. And we have this nonstop information flooding into our head of things you need to worry about. You should worry about. How could you be a person and not worry about Korea? Are they going nuclear or not? What does the handshake mean? Does it mean anything? And what will Trump bring? Will he be duped? This deserves serious worry, Dennis. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about, which is probably to your benefit. So now I'm just dumping on you things that you should be worried about. Didn't mean to come to church and get that, did you? But if that's not something to worry about, there's a myriad of other things. There's diseases that are coming up they don't know what to do with. There are viruses they have no antibiotics that do one thing to prevent or, or deal with. They don't know what they're going to do. They've got super viruses they're talking about. it. What are we going to do? This deserves worry. So if you are the worrying kind, these are great days for you. <laughs> because you have options, man. You have... So many things that you can worry about. But you see, what drives you crazy, and, and you are crazy, uh, is, is getting around the others that are right here in church that are not worrying at all. What? You're not worried about this? Man, you need to get busy. Because these things deserve a need. They need worry. There's a certain amount of worry that needs to be taking place. Now, I'm, I'm doing my part, and you're doing nothing. So I've got I've to do double time just because you're not keeping up. And they take it serious. If they really love you, I mean, they really love you, they will actually worry for you. Not only about you. Then they'll worry on your behalf because you are not worrying properly. 
And after all, Dennis, these are serious things, man. These are, these are plagues, potential plagues. These are uh, potential nuclear everything, holocaust, everything. It's terrible. It's bad. Come on, my friend. Read the Bible and relax. Just stay away from a few chapters that get a little radical. You know. There are a few chapters. If you, you may not be ready to take some of them because it's pretty intense. But So never mind that Jesus said, don't worry. Never mind that. We're busy. We don't need that word. We're busy worrying. We're too worried to take what Jesus said about not worrying seriously. But it's the cares of this world, these kinds of anxieties. And if it's not that, I mean, I'm, I'm messing with you, of course. But there is some truth even to that. But people are, are anxious and worried about the things that are going on in their personal life, their relationship, where is this going, things that are being said or not said, things that are being done, the way you're acting. My gosh, if you're like that now, how are you going to be in 10 years? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm worried about you. <laughs> and we feel, we feel like that's part of communicating compassion. That's right. I'd like to communicate how much I love you, so I want you to know I'm worried about you. <laughs> Parents don't think they're doing their job properly if they don't worry about their children. Well, how could you parent and not worry? It's amazing, but the Bible really does tell us not to worry. Yeah, but we have to worry. But we don't have to worry. How do you live, Dennis, without worrying? I don't know. I'm worried. <laughs> All right, I'm messing with you, but here's what Jesus said. He said, it is the cares or the worries of this world. And they come in a variety of ways, and a lot of, a lot of ways they, and that's how he said it in the Amplified Bible, they creep in on you. And you find that inner dialogue going over and over the conversation that you had or the conversation you didn't have. Going over and over what you could have said, what you should have said, what you plan to say next time. I'm given the opportunity. I'm going to be sure and get this and this and this and this and this in. That's got to be said. It's amazing how the last time it was said, it did really not turn out well. Yeah, but this time, it's going to work. Well, no wonder you're worried. You should worry with that kind of mindset. Because it isn't going to work again. Jesus tells us not to worry. Here he says these cares, these worries, these anxieties, they enter in. And my friend, they do enter in. And what science knows and has literally proven is that the mindset, these, this kind of toxic thinking that we allow ourselves to play with, even though we know better from Scripture, this toxic thinking really does have a very measurable impact on our physical brain and our hormone system. I mean, you know for a fact that you can release in an instant a rush of adrenaline that'll put you into a super hypersensitive mode 
And it's, a, it's part of the way you've been wired, and God designed you that way, the fight or flight kind of deal, man, when it's required. But the trouble is people get off into these varying levels of that over a variety of issues, and for some it's this ongoing, constant flood of the wrong kind of thing going on in your body, and your body is paying a price. And science is, I mean, backs this kind of, so I'm kind of glossing over things. But you can start to look into it yourself. You don't have to believe me. Now, you should, but you don't have to. You have the right to be wrong. And uh, <laughs> so here's what he says, though. He said, it is the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, money deceiving us, into us thinking it has a power it doesn't have. These things entering in create anxieties and cre begin to create a thought process that really ends up being destructive to your future and disconnecting you from the power of what God has given. It starts to choke the word because the word is no longer really paramount in the way we think and how we're going to approach things. We're going to approach things based on how we've been able to reason it out because we have thought this through. I've put a lot of thought to this, Dennis. I've been thinking about this a long time. And this is what I've concluded. I've concluded you are an idiot. And you've proved it in these ways. <laughs> And sure enough, man, they've come up with a whole list of reasons that if I was thinking like they think, I'd think I was an idiot too. <laughs> come on. You guys look so smart right now. <laughs> but how have we been thinking and letting our head roll? Not with the word, not with what God has said about these things. So when Jesus describes this overcrowded heart. He's given us the insight into how we are not receiving what has been prepared. Are you getting that? Yeah. This is, this is <clears throat> what the resistors look like. This is what he's describing. You understand what a resistor is. Now, I'm not deep into electri electrical currents and all of these kind of things. But I understand what resistors do. Resistors, uh, if they're wanting to manipulate the amount of electrical power that reaches a device, they get the electricity flowing, and then they put these little resistors on it so that they can ratchet it down based on the size of the resistor. They ratchet down the kind of power so that this little device doesn't get fried by the amount of electricity that's coming to it. They just start to uh, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down so that it just gets this little minute amount of power. That's all that thing needs. So they have figured out how to use various resistors this is long ago and maybe even obsolete by now, I don't know. But uh, it, it works for the purposes I'm using it for right now. These resistors. So guess what? Guess what? When they put a resistor on the flow of electricity, uh, what do you think? Uh, just give me a word what it actually does. What does it do? It resists. Man, you guys are so quick. It is a resistor. And so now this is being used in a clear and positive way to get a good result. But the resistors in our life, they do the same thing, but it's not for the same purpose. 
It is to whittle down the kind of power we receive in our life. Not so we can have a good result, but so that we can end up with no result. And each of these various issues that come up, whatever it may be, whether it's a past deal, a current issue, a conversation, somebody cutting you off, somebody that's trying to rip you off or already did, whatever it is, the way you handle it can become either a resistor or a victory. But if it's a resistor and you get enough of these on, one after the other over one issue and then another, you are totally powerless. You're hearing, but you're not really hearing. You're being given things to see, but you can't see it. You see it, but you don't see it. You hear it, but you don't hear it. You want it, but you don't embrace it because you can't. The resistors are resisting it. And so the work of the Holy Spirit here, right now, is to start pulling these resistors off. Let's get whatever it is. Let's get it off. And it doesn't take long. Really, you can go in and really with sort of a, a violent kind of sweeping move, take a whole lot of resistors all at the same time. Just get these things out of here. The Holy Spirit has come, and I believe he's come tonight. So a lot of ways the Holy Spirit does what he does, but I had, and I think I've shared this here before, but boy, God brought it up to me big again this afternoon. And I want to pray for people that tonight there are these resistors in your life. But here's the picture God gave me to use in an example that I think will help you. Because I, I've seen that these issues that come into our life, and some of them have come from a long time ago, but others are fairly recent issues, things that are going on. It's as if, and this was, this was the picture that God really gave me to, to really address this. It's like a thorn stuck in your soul. Remember, the Apostle Paul talked about that thorn in the flesh. And we don't know exactly what it was. We do know what he said it was. So I think that's good enough. It was a messenger of Satan. He didn't give us detail as to what it looked like or how it went. But it was something that was right out of hell that he called a thorn in the flesh. Now, whatever that means, it is not good. Now, some speculated it was a disease. He had eye problems and, and you know, and, he, and they give all kinds of reasons. I don't really buy into all that, but it doesn't really matter what it was, what it really was, was it came right out of hell. It was a messenger of Satan, and it was sent. Here's what he said. It was sent to strike at him over and over, strike at him to keep him humble or from being exalted. And this is where people say, okay, that's it. God sent that because that's what God wants. He doesn't want, he doesn't want Paul taking the glory. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. We already found out. Uh, God wants these things for our glory. No, God's not sending the devil after you so that he can somehow keep you humble. I mean, some people have taught that. They have this idea. I've talked about it here many a times. I know others have. I heard one man say it this way. He was right up. He's a guy that should have known better. He was right up in front of a huge audience, and he said, you know, God has the devil on a short rope. 
But every once in a while, he'll let that rope out, and the devil will get you. <laughs> what? Where do people get this nonsense? It's just, they, they don't get it from the Bible. The devil is not on a short rope. God's not walking the devil dog. And the little devil dog, every once in a while, gets a little bit loose and he comes to get you. No, this is not the picture. But the thorn in the flesh, Paul said, was a messenger of Satan sent to strike at him to keep him from being exalted because of the abundance of what? Revelation that he had received. You know, God's not the one trying to hit him to undermine the very revelation that God gave Paul. That's crazy. But here's the picture the Holy Spirit gave me of a thorn not in the flesh, but just for understanding this concept, a thorn that is stuck in our soul. And anytime Satan comes to want to mess with you, he just flicks one of these thorns, and it feels like that thing just got stuck in brand new. It's the same old thing, but it carries the same pain it always has. It ends up bringing the same kind of result it always has. It, you feel just as weak as you always have because that thorn has remained. And some months back, I had the Lord start to have me pray for people. Really not pray so much as just to declare that the Spirit of God in this moment is plucking that thorn out of your soul. Glory to God. And I've watched God do things with people that has just been phenomenal, amazing. Because all over we have people where the cares of whatever it is or one of these issues that Jesus talked about that will choke the word, and that's what's been happening to so many people. The, what God has prepared is not really getting through and in so many cases, it's this kind of thing where though they've been given all the right substance in God for victories, that thorn has remained troubling to them, and it just needs to be plucked out. And that's what I'm going to pray for tonight. It may just be a couple of people, maybe more than that. But I want you to stand with me, if you would. And I want, us to, I want us to have this time where the Holy Spirit can reach into your soul. Are you following me in this? Where He can reach into your soul, into your life, and into these issues, cares, worries, anxieties, long-term issues, short-term, whatever has been a care, a weight, a burden, something that has been on you or in you. And it's like a thorn that when Satan messes with it, it's like that person just said it. It feels exactly the same. You just have all the same emotion. It's still there. You're not really free. 
and you know you're not. And if that describes what you're going through right now, I want you to come up here and let me just pray for you. Because I believe the Holy Spirit has brought this time together for there to be real deliverance and change. Glory to God. Well, that's a lot of you. Come on up. That's great. This is just what we want to do. Hallelujah. Now, this doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, not paying attention. It means that there's been a thorn stuck in your soul. It means you've gone through trash just like all of us have gone through. But here is the remnant that has remained, and it's created an area of weakness in you, and God wants you free. Glory to God. These are good, this is a good moment. This is a moment for real healing, real freedom, something in your soul. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, here we stand in your presence. And as I lay hands on these men and women, I release the power of God to flood into their soul. Oh, I know you're already here. I know you've already paid the price, but just like healing physically, you've paid the price for us to be well, but when infirmity comes, you said have them lay hands on the sick. Well, in this issue, I'm going to use that, Lord. And as I lay my hands, I release the power of God to flood into these men and women. And for the Holy Spirit to reach into their soul. And Holy Spirit, that you would do your work and pluck that thorn right out of their soul. God, let it be so in the name of Jesus. And let it be so tonight. That this is a moment of real breakthrough. That this is a moment of real restoration. You said you've come to restore the soul. Holy Spirit, that that thorn is plucked right out of his soul. Boy, that is so strong. God, let it be so right now. That that's plucked out of this man's soul. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that you reach right into this man where Satan has had and taken advantage. Holy Spirit, pluck that thorn right out of his soul. Receive in Jesus' name. I want everybody to say it out loud. I receive. I receive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Lord, let it be so right now. Let that virtue of Jesus flood into this woman. And that that thorn is plucked right out of her soul. That this is that. Now, in Jesus' name. That that's plucked out. Now that that's plucked out of your soul, in the name of Jesus. Oh, 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 be healed in Jesus' name. Receive and be healed in your soul. That that thorn be plucked right out in this instant, in this instant. Receive that that thorn be plucked right out of your soul. Right this moment, receive and be healed. Receive and be healed in the name of Jesus. And that thorn be plucked right out of his soul. By the authority of Jesus. I release you today from that thorn that comes out.
I release you today. And that comes out of your soul. I release you from it. By the authority of Jesus, I release you from that in Jesus' name. Let that thorns plucked out of your soul. Satan has no more place. I release you from that in the name of Jesus. All the pain of it. Oh, that you go free. There's that virtue. In the name of Jesus, I release you from all of it. Never again does that arise with the pain and with the paralyzing effect in the name of Jesus. You go free. I release you from that today. Go free in Jesus' name and receive. There's the virtue of Jesus that you go free in your soul in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit plucked that thorn right out of her soul. In the name of Jesus, receive. I release you today. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for that, Lord. Oh, my goodness. I release you today. Let that come out of your soul. That thorn is plucked out of your soul. Receive. I release you from this today. That you are healed in your soul. That thorn is plucked right out of your soul. Father, let it be so in the name of Jesus that today this man is made whole and free in his soul and that thorn is plucked out in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands before the Lord. Oh, there's the anointing. Well, this is just for you tonight, dear. You're so in the right place. Oh, God, reach right into her soul that all of that, all of that violation, every bit of it, in the name of Jesus, I release this lady. I release you from this. I release you from the pain and from the fear and from the anxiety and from the blame. I release you from the shame and blame and tricks Satan's played against you. And I declare that that thorn, those thorns are plucked right out of your soul. In Jesus' name, be made free in the authority of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, every one of you, lift your hands. Every person here, all of us. Father, we receive. Say it out loud. I receive. I receive wholeness. Healing. And I receive the Word. The seed sown inside of me. That it is sown in good ground. It springs up. It bears fruit. 30, 60, and 100, 30, 60, and 100. That, I'm that I'm fruitful and the word is fruitful, word is fruitful. In, me, in me in Jesus name, Jesus name. My, eyes see. my eyes see my ears hear my, ears hear. my, inner, man my inner man embraces the word, the word. In, Jesus name. in Jesus name now go ahead and rejoice in the Lord will you come on let's rejoice
Let's rejoice. Glory to God. Woo! That's the real deal. I don't care how many times you hear that parable, it comes alive. There's revelation in it every single time. It goes outside of our senses and goes right into the, our inner man. Glory to God. Are you glad you came tonight? Yeah. How many of you really did get something personally from it? Glory to God. Just takes one idea, and I think maybe some of you got even more than just one, but it just takes one idea to revolutionize our life. I believe that's exactly what's happening here. This is revolutionary. Remember the very first time I had the Lord instruct me to use that example of the thorn in the soul. And I prayed for people just like I did here tonight. And there was a young lady that came, and she was a teenager, and she was just dark in, in her countenance. You know what I mean. But she came up, and I don't know if she's with anybody or not. She may have been. But I said, what's up? I'm going to pray for you. She said, I've wanted to commit suicide for a long time. She said, a very soft. You could just barely hear her speak. I've wanted to commit suicide for a long time. Oh, it was on her. And you could see it was on her, and, but she knew exactly what it was. It was a desire to commit suicide. And I said, we are in the right place. And I prayed just, just like I did here tonight, that that thorn in her soul and what, what put that in her, that that just be plucked out, just like I did tonight. And the moment I finished praying for her, there was a grin on her face. There was a dance in her eyes. The countenance had changed. Power of God. It was evident. That girl plugged into that church. Found out later they'd only seen her there, I think, once before. She wasn't really a part of the church then. Apparently she is now. Glory to God. I had another time where somebody saw, as I prayed for him, as I did, I say prayed for him, really, I made a declaration, didn't I? Really spoke the word. But she said, I saw, just as you put your hands on me, I, I knew that that thorn had come out. And she said, I saw a picture of my hand in a bucket of water. And she said, and I knew that that was representing this thorn concept and what you were talking about. And she said, I saw that my hand came up out of the water. And when it did, of course, what happens to the water? You know, it just rushes together. And in an instant, it's as if there was never anything in the water. There's no evidence left. And she said, I saw that when that thorn came out, there was no evidence left that it was ever there. Praise God. Man, I thought that is exactly what's going on. And while you still have memories of things that happened, it doesn't have the, the impact it used to have. It doesn't carry the pain. It doesn't have the weight. You see past it. You have understanding. 
that goes beyond the events or the situation or the issue. In my own life, I saw how this worked. I didn't know to use that kind of terminology, but it's been a number of years ago now. When the Lord dealt with me, and I've talked about it here before, but I'll, I'll mention it right now. When the Lord brought it to my attention, after years of walking with Jesus, and really been in the ministry a long time, He brought it to my attention that some of the things that I had been talking to Him about that I was unhappy about in the way I was handling things in my own life, He said, what's happening here is that you're still dealing with your father's suicide when you were 13 years old. I said, Lord, I mean, how do you tell God that's wrong? But I mean, that can't be. What? That's, That's so long ago. And I've received so much about this from the Lord already. And he said, yeah, but you have not allowed me to heal you the way I want to heal you. Seriously, I thought. You know, you're almost embarrassed that you've walked with Jesus all this time and you still have that? Are you kidding me? But instead of letting personal pride derail this moment, you know, here's what we do. We say, if whatever you say is true, I'm taking it. And he took me to Psalm 2710. He said, when your father or mother abandoned you, and that's the word it uses, I thought, my gosh, I, I've never felt that I was that. And yet, when the Lord said, that's what's going on here, then now I know what it really was. And when he freed me of that. And I mean, it was dramatic. I mean, I was by myself. Me and the Lord and angels, and it was crowded, but I was all alone. (laughs) And those issues have never been the same. Never carried the weight. Obviously, I still remember the suicide and the history and the issues, etc. But it doesn't carry the kind of pain that it carried doesn't carry the kind of weight. It's not paralyzing in ways that it had been. It doesn't doesn't leave me vulnerable for certain switches to be flipped Mm -hmm. the way they were. That's real power. That's the anointing that's here tonight. That's the kind of healing that's going on tonight. So I know what I'm talking about because I've been on both sides of this. And I've had to receive and I still receive. So praise God, man. But I believe that all of us are receiving. And while many of you came up here, I want you to see that that, what was a a hole stuck in your soul, there's not even the evidence that it was there anymore. Glory to God. You've been made free. Say it out loud. I've been made free. I receive. I receive big in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you glad you came tonight? All right, shout another praise. Pastor Jonathan, come deliver these people from me. Praise God. God bless you.